We should have seen it coming. Monday was a full moon, and Friday was the 13th. And to top it all off, to start off this crazy week that just happened, we lost an hour of sleep to daylight savings time, of all things. We should have known we were going to be in for a crazy week. I didn't look at the horoscopes. I didn't try reading tea leaves or ask any magic eight balls how this week was going to hand itself out. And I hope you didn't either, because those are the wrong places for us to look. Yet there are places that people look to when crazy things happen in the world we live in. But they're all superstitions, superstitions that we can get worked up in. And for what purpose? For what reason? I had to laugh as a friend of mine posted a warning about this week, and I think it was maybe Saturday or Sunday that she posted it, saying, these are all the bad things that are coming this week, because look at all these things lining up together. And I kind of chuckled to myself, said, yeah, Friday the 13th, watch out. And watch out for any black cats that are walking around the city, too. But let's just all pause for a moment and take a breath. Because if you're hearing this message, this means that you have survived this past week. It means that you are alive right now. I try to be even keeled when it comes to all of these things. And I try to uh, be wise about these things, knowing that it's easy for small things to get blown out of proportion. Especially with social media, when, when you share things without checking to see if they're true or anything like that. We just hit that little share button because it's easy to do. And we work everybody up into a panic and a frenzy. I also have a tendency to think that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. Not because I think I'm immune to it somehow, but simply because of mathematics. What are the chances of this fractional thing that could possibly happen? What are the chances of that happening to me? And so I have a tendency to not necessarily take things seriously as I ought to at times. To be honest, it all just boils down to me being selfish. If it doesn't affect me, I really don't care. And I'm sorry to admit that, but that's true. And I think that's true of all of us. <laughs> I hope that's true of all of us. I'm not the only bad guy here today. Uh, but I think that is part of our human nature, that unless something affects me, we don't tend to care about it. Unless something has the possibility of affecting me, it's not worth my time or my consideration. But on Thursday, the coronavirus entered my world. I'm not sick. I don't have it. Nobody in my family has it either. But it interrupted my plans. Of all things, I had plans and it interrupted my plans. I mentioned earlier today, Hannah and I don't get out much. <clears throat> but on Thursday, we did. We went to three different places. And each one of those places, we were greeted with a conversation about this coronavirus. We didn't bring it up, but we couldn't get away from it. And then Thursday evening, we found out that the Bible College canceled all their off-campus ministry events from Thursday until Easter, meaning the event that I've been looking forward to for two years since Mr. Hansen first brought it up to me is no longer going to happen. And I had to swallow my own pride, my own schedule, and all these things and say, well, it's probably for the best. But I was upset. I was ready to text the people that I knew in the choir and say, come down here anyways. We still are planning on having you. But they did that out of concern for their neighbor. And I'm sorry that it's taken me this long for it to affect me or for this long for me to even address it or take any serious consideration of it. There are people in our area, people who we know, friends and family members who've been affected by this thing a lot longer than we have, a lot longer than I have. 
like the family that's waiting to bring home the daughter they've adopted from China that can't bring her home yet. And that's a stress. That's an issue. And yet I don't care about it because it doesn't affect me. And yet that's happening to the body of Christ. But I can almost guarantee you that there is something this past week that has been canceled that affects you. Whether that's some uh, March Madness bracket that you thought this year was going to be the year that you had the winning bracket, no one's going to win this year. Or whether you're looking forward to the start of uh, the baseball season, you're going to have to wait a little longer. Or the NBA postseason, it ain't happening. Or any other kind of sporting event that we look forward to. I read an article of my home high school. Their girls' basketball team was on their way to regionals. And they were told on the bus, turn around, there's no game. The coach said that they had been, the girls on that team had been devoting the better part of the last decade for this season. And just like that, every sacrifice that they had made the last 10 years for this season is taken away without any warning, without any notice, just like that. But I'm upset because I don't get to listen to a choir and see some friends. Uh, <laughs> it's pathetic, really. But we see all of these things. We, we interact with people on a daily basis now who are affected by, not infected, affected by the coronavirus and what's going on. And with everything that's canceling, it's natural for us to fear. And it's natural for us to worry about what's going on. Just turn the news and there's natural for us to start wondering, when am I going to die? Because that's the feeling that we get. As Christians, though, we are, we are called to respond differently. We are called to act in faith. And not out of fear. We are to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And all things means all things. Meaning that we are to fear the wrath and the holiness of God more than we fear the possibility of death. Or more than we fear the possibility of illness. Or more than we fear the fact that our schedules are being changed around and we don't like it. As Christians, we have the great opportunity to share with those around us the reason for the hope that we have. In the times when people seem to have no hope or their hopes wrapped up in the last package of toilet paper on the shelves. I hope these words today will encourage you from Paul. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4 as I read verses 4 through 7. And I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Again, Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, reading in Jesus' name. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, these are your words, and your word is true. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, that you would help us to believe your truth over and above our feelings, over and above our fears and our worries and our concerns. Father, give us your peace here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout Scripture, believers are told again and again to fear not, do not be afraid. Jesus tells us that worrying doesn't do us any bit of good. He says, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
And the psalmist tells us that God saw our unformed substance before we were even born. And that before we even lived, took our first breath or had our first breath, God had written ahead of time the number of days that we have on this earth. God knows. We read these passages in Scripture and we're comforted by the nice thoughts that they bring to us. But these passages don't just give us nice thoughts and warm fuzzies. These passages are God's inspired and inerrant truth. These verses are true. And we are commanded in God's word, commanded by God himself, not to live in fear of the coronavirus. Not to live in fear of, am I going to go to school on Tuesday or not, or will it be canceled? Not to live in fear of the Cold War or fear of Y2K in fear of the end of the world or terrorism or any of the other millions of reasons that you could fear getting out of bed in the morning. Instead of living in fear of all of these things, we are called instead to fear Him above all things and to trust in God, to rest in Him, to be still and know that He is God. Living in fear and constant worry profits us nothing. Instead, Jesus gives us some instructions, some profitable things for us to take into consideration. Right? right after Jesus says, which of you can worrying by, or which of you can add a single hour to your life by worrying, he says this, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Our first priority in life shouldn't be temporary concerns. They should be a priority. They should be a consideration, but not our first priority. Our first priority ought to be eternity. Our first priority is to seek salvation and eternal blessedness for ourselves and for our fellow men, as we're learning in Sunday school. That being said, we shouldn't be careless or reckless. We are called to be wise, not fearful, not anxious, but wise, to trust in God. The temporary things of this world must be kept in perspective of eternity. If we aren't allowed to be fear, if we aren't allowed to fear and we aren't allowed to be anxious, then is there anything left for us to do? What can we do? Paul addresses that in verse 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and thanks with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Is there something that we can do about the current global pandemic? Absolutely, there is. And we are called to act. We are called to pray and to make our requests known to God. And we can ask ourselves the question, well, what good does prayer do? It's not going to confirm or deny a test of the coronavirus if I have it or not. It's not going to make somebody feel better right away. If God already knows the number of days that each person has, then why bother praying? If God is already in control, if God is truly sovereign, then what's the point of sending up our prayers? Will our prayers somehow change God's mind? And does the future of humanity really depend on whether or not I pray today? And while those questions are natural to ask, it's the wrong question to ask. Instead, we are to ask, what would God have me do? Rather than looking to see, well, what benefit is my praying do, we should look into God's word and say, how has God informed me to live my life? What does God call me to do today? And God calls us through his word, and he invites us to pray. And he calls us to pray as an act of faith and an act of obedience to him. Making our requests known to God as part of fearing, loving, and trusting him above all things. 
We pray to God first of all because he calls us to. He commands us to do it throughout scripture. But he also invites us to. We pray to God because he exists. We pray to God because he hears us. We pray to God because he can do something about the situation in which we find ourselves today. We pray to God because we love our neighbors and we care for them and for their well-being. And so we pray for them, not only for their physical health, but their spiritual well-being too. We pray to God because Christ has removed the barrier between God and man. We pray to God because God is in control. What good does our worrying do? What does our worrying say about God? What does our worrying say about what we believe about God? We worry because we aren't sure that God can handle it or we aren't sure that he is in fact as good as he says he is. We worry because we fear illness and death, whether that is for ourselves or for others. We worry because we fear pain and suffering. We worry because we've forgotten who God has revealed himself to be. And we've traded the truth of God for our own assumptions about who God is. We worry because we've traded the truth of God for a lie. And that's sinful. We ought to fear the wrath of God more so than anything else. We ought to fear and trust in God above all things. Uh, I don't, I've looked at this a couple of different places, and I don't remember what the most current up-to-date rate is. But do you know the mortality rate of this current virus that everybody is worried about? I'm pretty sure it's under 10%, like well under 10%, maybe around 1%. Um, and it, you can break that down to age group, dynamic, demographics, all these different things, whatever. But let's say it's around 1%. Let's be generous and say 5%. Do you know what the mortality rate for sin is? And who's worried about sin? 100%. Do you fear the wrath of God over your sin? more so than this virus. Maybe you do. Does your neighbor? Does your neighbor realize the mortality rate of sin? Does your neighbor realize that eternity is on the line here? And there's only two places to end up, in heaven or in hell. And the wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. And yet our own worries, our own fears, we must recognize that that's sinful. And realize that that brings the wrath of God. It ought to bring the wrath of God down upon us. And we are condemned by that. And so we ought to repent of that. And as we repent of the lies that we've believed, and as we repent of the times that we're turning our backs on God and fearing other things more so than God himself, we go back to the word of God again and we remind ourselves, okay, but what is true? What has God said? The world is going to continue to react the way that it reacts. In fear. As Christians, though, we're called to a different response. We are called to respond in faith. We're called to act upon God's word. And what is true? What comfort do we have in God's word? Look at verse 7 in the text. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't a little bit of peace right now in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in this world sound comforting? Is it even possible to have peace? The answer is yes, we can have peace. And in fact, we do have peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that simply doesn't make any sense to those around us. 
peace that isn't to be found in our circumstances, but a peace that transcends our circumstances. Meaning that this peace can be found wherever you find yourself, today, tomorrow, or the next day. It is possible to have peace. As Paul is writing these words, he's writing these words in a position of peace. He has found peace. But he's writing these words being imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And yet he still has peace. His peace comes from the same place where our peace is to be found, in Christ, who has made peace with God through his blood on the cross. And Christ himself is our peace. And God has reconciled us to himself through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Paul writes, so that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not someday we'll hope to get it, but we have it currently, presently, now, and always. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained an introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of glory, in the glory of God. In Christ, our relationship with God has been solidified. And as you trust in Jesus, you are saved. Come what may, your eternity is secure in Christ. Our peace comes not from a life free of danger, not from a life free of harm, or not from a life of uh, mathematically, this is likely not going to happen to you. But our peace comes from knowing God, who alone is our rock and our salvation, as Keith read, our fortress and our refuge. Regardless of how these earthly lives of ours will end, God remains our refuge. There's a certain peace in that. When God is our stronghold, we will not be shaken. We won't live in fear. We won't respond in fear. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4, 5. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. It's good for us to remember that. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear for God is with us, and he comforts us. The Lord is near. Whatever fear the world will work up in you, remember that the Lord is with you, and remember that Christ has accomplished peace with God, and there is nothing that will separate you from the love of Christ. So fear not, for Christ is with you to redeem you. The list of verses that remind us of who God is and what he has done to accomplish our peace can go on and on. And I encourage you to open up your Bibles this week and to look for those promises and hold on fast to them. But it might be good to take some time now to switch gears a little bit. We've been focusing on the promises for you, and that's necessary. That's good. But know that these promises aren't just for you. You see, Christ didn't die just so that you might have peace with God. Christ didn't die just so that as you gather here this morning, you might have peace. Christ died so that the world would be reconciled to himself. Christ died so that everybody would be reconciled to himself. He came so that all might be saved and all might have eternal life. Christ even came and died for for that guy who's using this virus and this fear to try to sell over 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and make a profit on that. Christ died for him. And for every person who thinks that they can have hope and salvation and security by buying one of his hand sanitizer bottles, Christ died for them. And that's where our peace is to be found. When pandemics like this and this virus go around, or threats of the end of the world, global warming, nuclear warfare, you name it, other ones are going to continue to be found in your lifetime. It's our natural reaction to be afraid. 
our natural reaction to stock up on rice and beans so that we can survive the apocalypse for at least one more month. And then what? I say that a little tongue-in-cheek. There's nothing wrong with being prepared, and, and we should be wise and be prepared for different things. But to put our hope in the number of canned goods we have in our pantry is a misplaced hope. To put our hope and our security in how prepared we are is a misplaced hope and security because we don't know what tomorrow has in store for us. Instead, our hope and security needs to be found in Christ. These circumstances and the fear that so often surround them are provide a tremendous opportunity for us to explain the reason for the hope that you have inside of you, for the reason why you're not canceling everything and living in digging a hole to live in for the next eight months until this all passes over. We fear God above all things, and that includes the fear of death, the fear of illness, the fear of pandemics, the fear of panic and pain and suffering, and every other thing that we can think of. Still, fear is natural and common, and it seeps in without us even consciously letting it in. So how are we to live with the fear that still comes our way? And when fear begins to take a hold of our hearts and our minds, what are we to do? Remind ourselves again that we are not fearing God above all things. And to repent of that sin. And to trust that we are reconciled to God through Christ. That Christ has forgiven you of even that sin. And to dwell on the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. But to also know that your neighbor may also be suffering with that same fear. Perhaps... Your neighbor is even suffering from the virus itself, the virus that has a mortality rate of 1%. But I can guarantee you that your neighbor is suffering from the virus of sin with a mortality rate of 100%. How are we to deal with that? We can't just ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. When the Black Death was going around Europe a long time ago, Luther wrote these words as his response to the epidemic. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, and then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed, in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others, and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. We are not to let fear to prevent us and keep us from being the neighbor that God has called us to be in this day and age. God had the days of our lives ordained from before we were even born. He is in control. His word is still true, and he is near. He is with us. In times like these, when everything seems to come crashing down, remember again what's eternal. Remember what is true. Remember what Christ has called us to do, to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And remember to love your neighbor as yourself, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and we praise you for your word, that your word is eternal. Your word is true. 
Lord, your word has a tendency to remind us of the things that matter. And this morning, Father, as we're reminded that we are to be thankful in every circumstance, that we are to rejoice and give thanks. Lord, that we are also to make our requests known to you, that we are not to be anxious and not to worry. We pray that you would forgive us for the times when we've acted out of fear and worry rather than trust in you. Lord, forgive us of those sins. Help us to fear and trust you and love you above all things. And Lord, help us to do the things that you have called us to do, even in the midst when the world is shutting down around us. Lord, I pray that you would be with our country, be with our communities, be with this world and everyone who's suffering from this virus. But Father, we pray that you'd also be with us as your church to see the greater epidemic that's going on that you would encourage us and inspire us to bring this message of forgiveness of sins to those who are living in a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.